Hello, Christine. Happy New Year. Hello, Happy New Year, and uh, welcome to the Earth not being destroyed.、Oh, I'm glad you survived. Thank you. I have a little surprise for you. Oh, a surprise? Yes, we are going to have our very first guest for the scientist. Yay! Do you want to know? I do. I do. I'm so excited to find out who it is. Who it is? That little guy. Me? You. <laughs> <laughs> that is you.、Um, hello. Where are you? Look. It's my son. He's with us today. Hello, Luke. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the scientists. Thank you for inviting me. What do you like about the universe?、Um, the moon. What do you know about the moon? It goes around the earth. And do you like to take photos of the moon? Yes. How many photos have we taken? Okay, I think that he is very, very shy. He's only six. Oh, so he was done a very good job. Do you want to say anything else about the moon? No. No. Okay. There we go. There we go. We've had our first guest speaker on the scientists. So you know, we have been taking photos of the moon together. Look at me. Yes, I've been seeing a few of them. They look fantastic. Oh well, thank you. It is all his work. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> I set up the camera, the telescope, and he just click. That's that's the whole part of taking the photo. You got to press the button to take the photo.、He's、of course, the most important job. Exactly. He has been later paying attention on how we are combining or I combining the photos,、ah. and the idea is to try to get a photo every day of the lunation. Ah, so for the whole、yes. lunar phase, phase cycle. Yeah, let's、Excellent. see how long it will take to do this.、Mm, it'll be interesting to see how long it does take. So far, we have only four. Right.、Yes. And one of them was taken a couple of years ago. Wow. Okay. So it's we're already in the years. Yeah. <laughs> I have been trying to do this for some time, but now I have the telescope that's ready in there at home. In the moment that the moon is up, let's go look. And snap, snap that photo. Exactly. Excellent. Well, I wish you good luck with it. I look forward to seeing the whole. Finished project. Thank you. I hope that it will be happening sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Kirsten Banks, and I'm Angel Lopez Sanchez, and, and we, we are, are the scientists. Hello and welcome to episode twenty. Twenty of the scientist. I really can't believe it. How we are adding numbers here. Honestly, it's insane. I'm so happy. It's so exciting. Number twenty. Yeah, but that is the very first one that we are recording in 2019. It is. Yes. So happy New Year to it, you that I've actually seen you for the first time in 2019. <laughs> happy New Year to you too.、Um, I think I mentioned that at the beginning, but Happy New Year. Happy、again. New Year once again. Um, Happy birthday. <laughs> And happy birthday to the scientist! <laughs> yes, of course. Well, we did the joke. We did that in our last la, episode. La, last yeah. episode, yeah. Okay, well, let's get right into it with some space news. Yes, please.、Uh, you start with it. So, the Earth is still intact after a super blood wolf moon Armageddon. What, what, what is what is that kind of a space news? Come on, Christine. Yeah, look, I 
try, I try. Okay. <laughs> it is okay that we're recording this just some few hours. The very famous lunar eclipse that was seen in Europe and all America. Mm -hmm. When I'm saying America, it is North America, South America. I'm not talking about the US only. And uh, there, were, there were reports that and prophecies that uh, the lunar eclipse would signify the end of the world. But why are we talking about any of this? So we have already discussed that we will never mention blood moon, uh, <laughs> super moons, flat earth or similar. All in good fun. <laughs> okay, always got good fun. Please give me a real space news. Okay, a real space news. New Horizons on the 1st of January visited the cosmic jelly bean Ultima Thule. Then again, we only realized it was a cosmic jelly bean when we got there. But still, I like to call it the cosmic jelly bean. I like that name. There are some people that uh, really don't like the name of Ultima Thule. That oh, again, okay. it is not the official name. This is not. It's MU69, isn't it? 2014, 2014. MU69. That's yes, it? Yes, you are right. Yep. Because some people have associated that to the Nazis. Okay, right. Oh. But uh, the original name, it is coming from Latin, which means the land that is farther away from the most farthest away known land. Right. But I don't know why they have been some kind of... I guess there are other meanings. People yeah, take meaning from yeah. different things in different ways. And that name was actually selected from a very large uh, amount of names in a contest. Oh, and there you go. I, I, in some way, I like it. I not going to say I dislike it also because it is tracing what New Horizons was expecting to do, mm -hmm. which was not only visiting Pluto, but at least to at observe least. one object in the Kuiper belt mm -hmm. or a Neptunian object, yep. whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> it both works. Both work. And there was it. Um, we but have they're this planning to maybe go to another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I hope that we will get another one from New Horizons. Hopefully. So there are many things to say about this, and perhaps we will leave that for another episode. Because, I think so. Uh, we well, have already plenty of things about our main do. topic today. And there's still plenty more information and data to come back from New Horizons. We haven't gotten all of it yet. It's still quite a few months away until we have all of the data from um, Ultima Thule. A year and a half, still. There you go. Yeah, and our, so yeah, a year and a half. A year and a half till we yeah. get all the data. So we'll save, our, save ourselves until there's a bit more information. Definitely. So it is a very interesting story, including how they did discover that object to be the target for the flyby of the horizons. I don't know this yeah, story. Well, I will tell you in another episode. Oh, I guess I'll have to wait and see. Okay, now turn for my space news that is about Saturn ah. and its rings. Love its rings. Well, you have to enjoy them very much right now because they will disappear soon. No, not Saturn's rings. Okay, but, 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 but. I know the trick here. We are astronomers, and when we say soon... Soon, soon, and I'm quoting here, uh -huh. soon, soon, it is 100 million years. Oh, okay. So we are safe. <laughs> I think we're good. We're not going to have an influx of people coming to the observatory to look at Saturn's rings anytime soon. No, for me, it is one of the best objects to see it using is. a small telescope. I really Definitely. want it to come back into our skies as well. It's currently up during the daytime, and I'm just like, I just want to see it. It will come. Eventually. Mm. Right now we still have Mars, but not Mars, it is very far away. I think that the only little thing that we can see it is a disk of five, six seconds. It's, so yeah, it's, it's very small really and a bit small. underwhelming at the moment. And yeah. because it's low, it's kind of meh. And it's, it's it hot is. here as well, so it's a bit blurry. And 
it is not Jupiter, it is not Saturn. Mm. So that is what's happening with Mars. And that is why I have never liked Mars that much. Anyway, <laughs> I also mentioned that uh, before. But um, just to give a bit more extra info about this, so we know this using data from uh, the Cassini spacecraft that have been analyzed and put in a paper. And it is not only that, it is also how old are they? How old are the rings of Saturn? Mm, I heard they're not very old compared to Saturn. No, not for, for sure. So we knew using data from Voyager 1 and 2 in the 80s mm. that the mass containing the rings of Saturn, because the, the rings of Saturn are made of very little pieces of rocks and ice, mm-hmm. the majority of it, that will account for around 70 to 80 percent of the mass of MIMAS, which is one of the satellites in, right, in yes. Saturn. So that was the calculations using the Voyager 1 and 2. And with that, they were able to estimate that the rings had at least 500 years. But now, using new data from the Cassini spacecraft, a group of astronomers uh, led by Italian astronomers, have been able to estimate that the real mass in Saturn ring, it is around 41% of the mass of MIMAS. Okay, so it's getting quite quickly much smaller. No, 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 no. It is not that it's going smaller. It is just the precision that we have with this new data. It is much better than the precision with the Voyager 2. right, okay, okay. And the Voyager 1. With uh, that uh, amount of mass, the age of the rings, it is between 10 and 100 million years only. Okay, so they're very short-lived. Yeah, they are very short-lived because they're raining. <laughs> they are raining over Saturn. Yes, I, I heard about that. It sounds so cool. Like Imagine rings around your planet raining down on you. Like It probably wouldn't be very pleasant, to be fair, because these are hunks of rock and ice. They are just following the magnetic fields of Saturn. The solar radiation and also the cosmic rays are able to ionize the particles. Mm. And that is why they are just going down slowly, following the magnetic fields and in ah. eventually falling into Saturn. There you go. Following the magnetic fields. And that is why we say raining on Saturn. <laughs> Luke is still here. <laughs> <laughs> what are you made? There? Your planet. You made that thing. That nice. Okay, the battery of the iPad is flat, so i just given him my phone. Hopefully he will be more or less quiet. <laughs> but you might be able to hear him in the background. Sorry for that. But we're back again. So let's go to the main... The main event of today. Yes. Which is, oh, and I'm so excited about this, it's relating to uh, MySpace news, if I don't say so myself. We're talking about the moon. Ooh, the moon today in the sky and test. In the sky and test, we talk about the moon. We actually talked a bit about the moon in the second episode mm-hmm. of the sky and test. Yes, with all different names. Names for the eclipses and yes. a bit of super And we coined moon. the term the blueberry moon. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Or did we coin it the strawberry moon? I'm not sure. I mean, no, I think it's the blueberry moon. Blueberry moon. I'll have to blueberry, listen to it, it was, again. It was blueberry moon. There we yeah. go. I have had the feedback that it was a very nice episode and that we did it very well explaining that. Oh, excellent. I'm glad. Good. Well, hopefully we keep our track record going with the moon because today we're going to talk about not the names of the moon, but instead moon exploration. So, Angel, you're going to give us a bit of a brief summary of the exploration of the moon, and then I'm going to give us some fun facts about moon exploration and the moon in general as well. Well, I also wanted to mention first a couple of main topics about the moon, Mm -hmm. just to put everything into perspective. Because the moon, it is the only natural satellite of the Earth. I think that is quite clear. Yep. But it is a bit of peculiar. 
because it has a diameter of 3,474 kilometers. Which is about the size of Australia. But that is untypical. Okay. With respect to other satellites in the solar system. Actually, the moon is the fifth largest satellite in our solar system. It is too. Who can guess it's, that? It's <laughs> a big one. <laughs> it is a big, it is a big. Well, if we are not counting Caronte and Pluto. Of course. Because Caronte is the moon of Pluto, the main moon of Pluto, but Caronte mm. is... Bigger than Pluto, it, 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 isn't it? No, it is not bigger than Pluto, because no. if not, Caronte will be the main object. I was to say, yes. <laughs> but, I was always confused about those two. But we can say that Pluto... And did I say Caronte? Yes. Sorry. Pluto and Charon, in Caronte is in Spanish. Pluto and Charon, they do have the center of mass between the two of them. Oh, uh, not inside Not inside Pluto. Right. And plus Pluto is a dwarf planet, technically. So Yes, exactly. But again, the moon is around one-fourth of the diameter of the Earth mm-hmm. and around one-eighty-one-th of the mass of the Earth. Yep. It is less than two orders of magnitude, less massive than the Earth. There you go. We also mentioned in another episode that we asked our listeners to try to find the center of mass between the Earth and the Moon, and indeed it is not in the space, because that is located around 1,700 kilometers below the crust of the Earth. The other thing, it is just talking about how the Moon was created. Mm, I do love this story. Yeah, the the story is that uh, around four and a half billion years ago, a very big body with the size of Mars, it is called Tia, which is the mother of the goddess of the moon in the Greek tradition, mm-hmm. collide with the proto-Earth. And that made a lot of material going into the space, and eventually that will form the moon. The thing is that this has been uh, simulated very well using uh, computers, mm-hmm. and that is also supported by the chemical composition that we find in the Earth and in the Moon that are very similar. Yes. So there is evidence to support it, which is incredible. And also that the Moon has a very small nucleus that seems to be coming from the original object that collided with the Earth. So who knows? Maybe if that didn't collide with us and we didn't have a Moon, but we would have an extra planet. Who knows? Who knows? The other thing is um, the Moon is mainly made by rocks. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Just to put that clear. Yep. But a very peculiar kind of rocks, which are basaltic rocks. So volcanic rocks. Volcanic, sorry. That is why I was trying to pronounce igneous. How was it? Igneous. Igneous yep. rocks that are made by silicon, iron, aluminium, magnesium. And the majority of that in the surface of the moon, it is made of regolith, which mm-hmm. is kind of dust mm-hmm. in, on the moon. And that is a consequence of micrometeorites that have been colliding with the moon and breaking the rocks. There you go. So I wanted to have my son telling you a bit of his experience about photographing the moon and taking a view of the craters, but also to the seas of the moon, Mm. which are the lowlands of the moon. And just also to give a perspective, these areas, the lowlands, were formed at around three and a half billion years ago, when still big asteroids were colliding with the planets, Mm -hmm. and the interior of the moon was still liquid. 
So it was still quite hot. Yeah, so it was still quite hot. So these big meteorites colliding the moon, they were able to release the liquid, the basaltic, the liquid basaltics mm-hmm. from uh, the interior of the moon. And that and was kind of spread cleaning, out. Yes, and that was ah. cleaning a bit the surface. And that is why we have this kind of, in comparison, darkest gray areas mm. without not as many craters as we have find in the highlands. Because yes. the highlands are very highly meteorized. Mm. Very bumpy. Very bumpy. And very bumpy, very holy. Beautiful <laughs> to see using an amateur telescope. Definitely mm. the best object that we can see with an amateur telescope is and will always be the moon. Yes, 100%. It's always just so easy to see. You can always see so much detail no matter how small or how big your telescope is. Although it does come to a point where you have too big a telescope. But that's fine. That's you can okay. use other things for that, that telescope. That's okay. On the 12th of September 1959, that was the very first thing that we got into the moon. Ah. And that was not from the US, that from, from Russia, from the Soviets. Oh, there you go. The Luna 2, or E1A number 2, ah. which successfully impacted 2102 on the 14th of September 1959. That was the very first spacecraft to reach lunar surface. There you go. Did it land successfully? Oh, uh, well, it was just an impactor. So it was just oh, okay. Getting, so it was to be sure that just we, to get there first. Yeah, to get there. Okay. Now we can go there. Now we can think about how okay. we are going. How do we go, land safely? How <laughs> we land safely, exactly. We have to wait till 28th of July, 1964, when uh, Ranger 7 from the NASA, from the US, also did impact into the moon. Mm-hmm. Some few more of these tests from both the US and Russia. And then we have to scroll down to the very first Apollo mission that caught people around the moon. And that was the Apollo 8. Yes. On the 21st of December 1968. With the iconic photo to follow of the Earthrise, which we talked about in one of our previous episodes. Exactly, yes. And after that, well, we have the Apollo 11. Famously, first men, first people on the moon. On the moon. And this year, that will be 50 years since that happened. Which is going to be a very exciting year yeah. for the moon. On the 20th of July, 1969, 2017, UTC. Excellent. Um, there are some few other things that I can say about the moon, but uh, I, perhaps I'm going to leave that with later because they can be connected with the questions that we have received. Excellent. So let's go to your fun facts. My fun facts. And my fun facts come out of a book called Apollo, written by Zach Scott. It was given to me by family members for Christmas, not last year, the year before, and it's fantastic. So I'm going to share with you a few fun facts from this book in the more section. So over the course of the Apollo missions is what these facts are for. 12 men set foot on the moon. Mm-hmm. 380.1 kilograms of moon rock was brought back. That's a decent amount. And we have those rocks here. We that do. Is an extra thing that we can use for proving these people that they don't believe that we got to the moon. I know, we actually have rocks. Yes. Come um, on, guys. We actually um, have it. it. It is sad to say, sorry for interrupting you again, but it is really sad to to receive these questions about, are we sure that we got into the moon? Because mm, there are so many experiments you can do to prove it. One, there's, here's a moon rock. Yeah. How did we get this otherwise? But also there's the uh, reflective objects on the moon that people can actually shoot a laser at 
and it bounces back and you get a signal exactly. a couple of seconds later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was a bit sad last week because I received that question twice the same day. Oh, no. One by Twitter and another in an event. And it was quite, you know, frustrating. Mm. And at the end, what I'm trying to say it is that we have plenty of this science uh, proof, mm-hmm. scientific proof, that we have been there. But for me, the most important one, it is not coming from science. It is coming from politics. Yes. Because in that moment, there was the Cold War between the Soviets and the U.S. And if the U.S. didn't get into the moon, the Soviets would have known. Not only mm. that, but the Soviets, we, they actually saw how everything was happening. They were looking, they were watching us. They were watching uh, everything as it happened and they realized that, well, the U.S. did it first. And they didn't complain in that moment. If not, that would have been absolutely crazy. Oh, my goodness. So it is now with this kind of ideas, conspiranoid ideas. Okay, sorry. Conspiracies. Yes, conspiracies. Yes. Let's go for it. Okay, more fun facts. Okay. Uh, Between 1959 and 1973, 24 billion US dollars was spent on the program. Yeah, there it is. It is one of the reasons why we got into the moon. Mm-hmm. Just because of that. That's right. And, and that is why we are not getting now into Mars because we are put, not putting enough resources. That's right. That's right. Okay, so this is a big number here. 28,984,108 kilometers traveled by crewed command modules. Hmm. That's a lot of kilometers. Some fuel then, yeah. Mm. There were nine return trips to the moon, six lunar landings, 90.2 kilometers traveled on the moon by an LRV or a lunar roving vehicle. Yes. And my favorite fun fact, there's more to come, don't worry. My favorite fun fact from this page is there are two golf balls left on the moon. Oh. There are two golf balls. Okay. Because in the Apollo 14 mission, uh, one of the during one of the EVAs, an astronaut would deploy scientific equipment and everything as well. But the commander, Alan Shepard, brought along a golf club and a few golf balls and uh, took a drive, a golfing drive, and just whacked a golf ball across the moon. It travelled over hundreds of kilometres because of the lower lunar gravity. Of course, of course. Mm. Mm. So so there are two golf balls on the moon currently. Okay, that's good. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we mentioned before... Not so much in this particular sense, but the Earth weighs 81.3 moons, the equivalent of 81.3 moons. And this is a bit of an interesting one. On Apollo 14, Stuart Reeser took 500 seeds from different species of tree to the moon. They would be germinated on their return and planted throughout the USA and the rest of the world. So there are moon trees. Moon trees. So these seeds were taken to the moon. Okay. They went to the moon and went to space, came back, and they've been planted. Okay, well. I want to find I, myself a moon I, tree. I guess where they are. Speaking of Apollo 11 and all that jazz, there were different names given to the command modules and the lunar modules for each mission. So for Apollo 1, they weren't very creative and didn't give any names. For Apollo 7, the command module was Apollo 7 and the lunar module wasn't given any names. Same for Apollo 8, but it wasn't until Apollo 9 where the command module was called Gumdrop and the lunar module was called Spider. Mm. The next one, Apollo 10, was given the command module was called Charlie Brown and the lunar module Snoopy. Of course. Yeah, of course, my favourite. 
Then, of course, Apollo 11, you had Columbia as the command module and the, the, eagle, the yeah. eagle, of course, because the Eagle has landed. Apollo 12, we had Yankee Clipper and Intrepid. Interesting ones. For Apollo 13, Odyssey and Aquarius, which, of course, was the problem Apollo. Hmm. Funnily enough, being Apollo 13 and the, the number 13 as well, one yeah. got struck by lightning and they had to come back. Was it? Yes. No, uh, it, well, not, it was not. No, it not get struck by lightning. That it, one had a, a fuel tank explode. Yes, it was oxygen. a fuel tank exploded yeah. and they were losing. They were losing oxygen. Oxygen, and it was sad that they didn't do it, but it was a huge success that they came back that alive. They came back alive. <laughs> yes, and there is a very nice movie, although it is not all good in that movie. <laughs> but there is a nice movie trying to explain what happened. Yes, well, that one was Kitty. Uh, sorry, that one was Odyssey and Aquarius. Apollo 14 was Kitty Hawk and Antares. Apollo 15, Endeavour and Falcon. Apollo 16, Casper and Orion. And Apollo 17, 17? Yeah, yes, 17. Apollo 17 was called America and Challenger, which I assume would have been in homage to the Challenger tragedy. No, that was later. No, that was later. That was oh, later. Okay. The Challenger, I was alive when that happened. That was in 85, oh, 1985, right. I think. But in no, case, that's right, because that, um, that was one going to the space station. Yes, Apollo 17, and that mission was the last uh, mission to the moon of the Apollo program. The last time the humanity got into the moon on the 7th of December 1972. What is happening now? Right now? Regarding space exploration in the moon. China. China has taken the next step forward, and they have put a rover on the, not the dark side, but the back side of the moon. The far side. The far side. The far side of the, the moon. The side that we don't see, mm-hmm. which is often why it's called the dark side, but the dark side is just a tie that's dark, so we try to not use the dark side term, but it's the far side of the moon. The correct definition, it is the far side of the moon. Which mm-hmm. is incredible, because think about what they have to do. It, it's hard enough to get a phone signal in the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, or in any road tunnel. <laughs> to get a radio signal through the moon would be much harder, so they had to think about how are we actually going to talk to this thing. So, of course, they sent out a satellite. Another satellite. Kuaekiwau, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is located in the Lagrange Point L2 of the Earth-Moon system. Yes. And I love Lagrange Points. They're so cool. So, it's a point where it will kind of stay there in respect to the Moon and the Earth. So, we can always see the Earth and the Moon at the same time. Exactly. And there's some few photos of both the Earth and the Moon taken by this satellite that I really encourage people to have a oh, look to the Oh, I haven't seen internet. those. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. That one there. That is very cool. But although, now that we are talking about the far side of the Moon, let me mention briefly why the Moon is always showing the same face to the Earth, mm-hmm. which is because of the tidal locked. Yes, it is tidally locked to the Earth. But what does that mean, unhealthy? That means that because of uh, Earth gravity, it has been able to block in some way the rotation of the Moon. And it needs the same amount of time of rotates about its own axis than going around the Earth. Yeah, so its orbital period is the same as its rotational period. Exactly, and that is something very common in satellites mm. around planets, particularly around giant planets. We see that very very yes. nicely, so they're always looking at the same part of the of the planet, mm. or the planet can only see a little part of the, of the satellite because mm-hmm. they are tidally locked. 
Yes, so that is the reason why we need a satellite to always see it, because yeah. we can't see it just from the Earth. And that number, the rotation period of the Moon, it is 27.3 days. Yes. Which it is not the 29.5 days of a full lunation. Ah, because yeah. you have the... In 27.3 days, the Earth and the Moon have moved around the sun to the sun yes so the definition of the month it is actually coming from the moon from the amount of time needed to get the same phase in the sky and that is happening every 29 and a half days almost 30 days a month yep but the rotation of the moon the time that the moon needs to go completely around the earth it is a bit lower than that, the 27.5. There you go. So it is an interesting fact. That is why mm. sometimes there are different definitions of the month and so on. Mm. The other interesting thing about this, it is that because the orbit of the moon, it is an, uh, ellipse. Not el an ellipse. It is mm. not uh, a circle, it is an ellipse. And also the rotation axis, it is not completely perpendicular to, to this plane. Mm -hmm. There is something that we call deliberation of the moon. Is that the apparent wobble? Apparent wobble, ah. yes. So we can see not the 50% of the surface of the moon, mm -hmm. but actually the 59% of the surface of the moon. Because sometimes it wobbles a bit to the east or to the west, ah. and sometimes a bit to the north and to the east. So we can see 59% of the moon. From the earth. From the earth, right. So there is still 41% of the moon ah, that we can't see. Interesting. In any case, exploring the far side of the moon, it is challenging, but also very interesting and important at the moment. Very interesting indeed. And we actually have a question about Changi 4. Mm. It comes from Dolkin Waldron on Twitter. Uh, any thoughts on the lack of rocks in Changi 4's photos? Craters and dust, but hardly any rocks. Oh, well, I have not had a chance to actually think or have a look to that mm. but it is really nice to see these images that uh, the change 4 probe is sending but also the ones that the little rover u2 ah right is sending so there are two things that, yes. that is the, the lander yep. and the rover change 4 got into the moon on the 3rd of january mm -hmm. And that was also the day that the rover was just starting to move a bit around, just 20 meters. And then the rover decided, mm, I'm going to have a nap or, <laughs> a, or a siesta for some few days, just because it was a bit too hot in that moment. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> As there is no atmosphere on the surface of the moon. It is uh, very hot. It is very hot when the sun is up mm. and the sun is particularly high in the, in the sky. So that was in the crater that has the name of Von Karman. Anyway, on the 10th of January was when this rover was starting to move a bit around and starting to take some few more images mm. of, the, of the moon. And that is where we can start to see that there are not many rocks there. Yeah. Well, are there really many rocks on the close side yeah, of the moon? Yeah, they are. Okay. They are. They are. Um, perhaps we can... Have a look about that uh, question and trying to see if there is any kind of answer mm. for that for an, uh, another episode. Because yes. at the top of my head at the moment, I'm not sure what to answer here. Okay, so let's move on to another question. This one's more about solar eclipses. Oh, mm -hmm. Okay, so still involved with the moon, of course. How long? It comes from Rami Mando on Twitter again. 
uh, how long until we no longer can have a total solar eclipse on the Earth? Which is a very interesting thing to note because the moon is moving further away from us. Thank you, Rami, for the question. Very much appreciated that. We were talking before that the moon is tidally locked because of the, the gravity of the Earth. But there is something else playing here, which is something that uh, physicists love to mention, the conservation of angular momentum. Oh, yeah. And that is the reason why, at the same time that the Earth has been able to lock the rotation of the moon, mm. the moon is trying to lock the rotation of the Earth. Ah, so it's a pushback, pullback. Yeah, so actually in a century, the duration of the day is increasing around 2.3 milliseconds. Because the moon's making our days longer. How dare it? The moon is making the day longer, and that is why it is also going away. The moon is separating from Earth at around 3.8 centimeters per year. That's about the same as how far your nails grow in a year as well. Do you think so? Mm, okay. I've heard that before, yeah. That is an interesting fact. I didn't know that. The calculation I have done, it is, we know that the moon is moving following uh, the elliptical orbit. Mm -hmm. If we are taking the apogee, which is the, the farthest. farthest point, yes. which, is, uh, which is around 410,000 kilometers, mm -hmm. something like that, considering the rate of 3.8 centimeters per year, in around five. 150 million years, the moon will be too far away to be able to completely hide the disk of the sun in any moment. Ah, so there you go. So, so that will be the answer. The answer be will then. be that in around... 550 yeah, million years? In around 550 million years, there will be not more total solar eclipses. So we're good for now. We are very good for now. And I'm very excited for the 28th of June... No, 22nd of June, 2028 in Sydney. Ah, yes, mm -hmm. that one. That is a good one. I'm still counting down. Yeah, many people are still enjoying the photos that they have taken, of, many people have taken of the last uh, lunar eclipse, uh, last, last night or yesterday mm. or whatever they want to say that. Um, I will say that the next uh, lunar eclipse, it is the 16th or 17th July this year, but it is a partial eclipse, so we so, will not see... Nah. Nah, forget about that. The real next one, it is not in 2020, it is on the 26th of May, 2021. Ah, there you go. And that will be visible from Australia. Excellent. Good. Okay, we have another question from Rami as well, again about the moon. How much does the moon stretch land mass do it during tides? And I'm going to go straight ahead and say a negligible amount. Yes, I think. It's really mostly the water that gets exactly. pulled and pushed around by the moon, which is, I think a king tide is three meters or something, one some, and a half some, meters? Some, uh, I don't know, top of my head, but something like that. A couple of meters. Sounds a number. Hmm. I, I don't think that it is doing that much into the solid part of the Earth, although hmm. something has to be doing. The thing is that our planet, it is a very living planet. Yes. With all the tectonical plates and the activity and so on. That if it wasn't because of that, perhaps the effect of the moon in the solid part of the Earth will have some effect. But at the moment, it is rather difficult to check, I would yes, say. Yes, it's hard, hard to say. If you want to see solid movement from tidal forces, go to Io, Jupiter's moon. Because hmm. that one has waves of up to 10 metres tall of solid rock. Awesome. 
So uh, there you go, but not, not on our moon or our Earth, unfortunately. Yeah, but many of the satellites around the giant planets have this kind of mm. activity because of the tidal heating inside the satellites. Mm, so very, you, very ma- you mentioned Io, I will also mention Europa, that seems uh, of course. might happen too. Yeah. Yeah. Even Ganymedes and Calixto. Calixto perhaps not that much, but Ganymedes for sure. And also Enceladus. Oh, really? Which is the reason why we can see all these chasers. In oh, the of course, that makes because sense. Because of the thermal fountains yes. in the interior, which are caused not because of the sun or because of any other thing, but, but from because tidal of heating. the tidal heating inside mm. the little satellite. There you go. Now, our final question comes from Peter on Twitter. Mining the moon for resources, is it vandalism? <sighs> Oof. I'm not sure what to say here. So we are not sure what we are answering mm. here in any question. I kind of hope that we don't end up mining the moon because, I mean... It will happen eventually, I, I think. know it will, but I, the optimist in me is like, no, we want to preserve the moon as much as we can. But It will happen eventually. Mm. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Um, I would like to see first mining asteroids, and I think I will not feel that bad when we are destroying asteroids just for They're not pretty. mining. Regarding the moon, there are plenty of material that we can find in different areas of the moon that may Mm. be very, very, very useful. That's true. If we do that in a responsible way, why not? The thing is that it is just companies that are going to get a huge profit from that. And then you have to get into what it is, what we are doing and uh, kind of, you know. Okay, well, thank you very much for the questions. I also have a couple of things about feedback. The first one, it is from Peter in Twitter, at Cafuego, who told us, hey guys, the Bintel shop in Melbourne was closed. No! Oh, it's so tragic. I'm so sorry, Peter. I didn't know that. I remember that I was happy to see that perhaps some few years ago. So sorry for mentioning that. So that is the binocular and telescope shop mm. that we were talking about in our latest episode. Not the latest, it was two, two, two episodes, episodes ago. ago when yeah. we were talking about the apps. It's hard for us to tell. We recorded both of them in the same yeah, day. <laughs> exactly. The other feedback I have, it is from at Panda Hill, who actually asked us some few questions, but we are not going to answer all of them, only this one. They wanted to know about the new dwarf planet Far out. And that's why uh, we are putting these funny names into... Yes. The... Well, first off, it's not officially called Far Out. Nope. It will never be officially known as Far Out. For sure. It is just a nickname that is given to... to 2018 VG18. There that, we go. That is the official name. That we'll is the We'll stay name. the official name. So that thing, it is around 18 billion kilometers from uh, the sun three and a half times the distance to Pluto. Well, it is far out. There is an estimation of the size of this object at around 500 kilometers, which I don't trust that much, I have to say. Mm, It's very hard to tell. And I will refer to the first episode of our season, I think, or the first or the second, that we were talking about the Goblin. Yes, I was about to say, is this further away than the Goblin? The Goblin had a very elliptical orbit. Yes. I'm not sure about this one. Okay. But this one, it is right now a bit farther away than the Goblin. Okay. The Goblin will go much farther away, for sure. But right now, but this right is now, further I away. But I think that that is the farthest away. But again, they were trying to classify that as a dwarf planet, and also it had the attention of the media because it was new dwarf planet discovered, but we still don't know if it's a dwarf planet mm. or not. Plus, it had a cool name. 
And my last uh, piece of feedback, it is to thank the podcast in Spanish, Coffee Break. Yes. It is called that way, mm. because they were also talking about us a bit. Oh, so thank you, Coffee Break. Thank you very much. It was not because I was there and I asked them, please, can I mention the Sky and your <laughs> podcast? But anyway. Shameless plugs. Thank you for letting us do a bit of publicity there. Good. Excellent. Well, I think we've mostly kept to time this time. Just one last thing. What's up? What's up? Of course, what's up? I So I wanted to suggest Sirius, but then I realized we'd already done Sirius before. Um, and I just we love actually Sirius did it so in much. the latest, the last episode, or the previous episode. I just love Sirius so much. It's seriously cool. Yeah, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. You already did that joke. Yep, and I will continue to do it for the rest of my life. But uh, instead of Sirius, I think another one that I really like is Beetlejuice. Oh, Beetlejuice. Yes, yes. Yes. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. How do you pronounce that? I one? call it Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, I like it. It's always, always fun and it, you can refer to the movie Beetlejuice as well. We shouldn't say it too many more times. For those who have seen the movie, you'll understand. So I've heard people call it Betelgeese as well, though. Yeah, I have heard something like that. I have, always, I have always liked to pronounce it in the Spanish way of Betelgeuse. <laughs> Betelgeuse? <laughs> I like that. That, that is just reading as if we are a Spanish word. Of course. Betelgeuse. But, but it is be Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse. Yeah. yeah but that, anyway, sorry. Yes, that is an interesting uh, star. Mm -hmm. 614 light years away from us. So it's just a hop, skip and a jump across the galaxy. Yeah, no, but it's not that far. Not, not far. Not comparing far. with other stars. Mm-hmm. But it is very big. It is very, very big. It is known as a super red, red giant. giant. At around 1,000 times the size of the sun. That means that this star, if it were where the sun is, mm -hmm. will reach at least the asteroid belt. Yes. Probably Jupiter. And because it also it is a pulsating star... So it's getting bigger and smaller. Sometimes. It's like it's breathing. Yeah. Sometimes it might reach the orbit of ah, Saturn. Ah, there you go. But it, most importantly, if it were where the sun is, we would definitely be inside of it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> we will be there for sure. Yes. So it was the very first star for which we were able to get a size ah. of the photosphere. There you go. And we also know... a couple of extra interesting things. It has an age of around uh, 8 million years. Okay, the so mass is not well known, but I think it is at around 10 times the mass of the sun. Mm -hmm. So when it goes, it will go in a blast of glory in a supernova. Yeah, because that is not the original mass of the star. The original mass of the star of Betelgeuse, it seems that it was a still perhaps two, three times... Larger. Not, not larger. Two or more three massive? times more. Two or three times... The mass of the sun more. <laughs> so in a step of 10, so it's only 12 or, or 13. Oh, okay. So, right. So it, so it, it started has, out about 12 or 13 times lighter than the sun. It has, Massive. It has already lost two or three, perhaps even more. Which are signs of it going to go supernova soon. If it's starting to expel gas, like that, that's a good indicator that it might explode soon. But then again. Soon. How is soon? Within the next million years. <laughs> so it could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. It could be a million years from now. I don't think we will see it, but anyway. I keep my fingers crossed. One yeah. day, one yeah. day, hopefully. The last funny fact about Betelgeuse, it is that it is called Alpha Orionis. Mm -hmm. That means that Alpha should be the brightest star in Orion. Yes. 
But, but it's not. It is not. No. Because the brightest star in Orion is... Rigel. Rigel. I'm going to tell you why. I told you before that Betelgeuse is a pulsating star. Yes. So it is actually changing the brightness. It is. It's winking at us. Yeah. It's, it is around uh, an average of 0.5 in magnitude mm-hmm. changing, but sometimes it's a bit more than that. And in the moment that the astronomer Bayer put the name of the stars with the alpha, the beta, mm. gamma, and so on. At that time, it at was that the time, brightest? It was brightest. But now it's not. And now it is not. Mm. But in that time, it was brighter than Rigel. Yeah, but we mm. keep the name because for history's sake. Yeah. You want to hear another fun fact? Please do. The name Betelgeuse, derived from Arabic, translates to English as the armpit of the great man. Ah, Which, of course, it is. If you look at the constellation of Orion, Mm -hmm. it is at one of Orion's shoulders, or which is pretty close to his armpit. So it is the armpit of the great man. It is the armpit star. (laughs) Very nice. I didn't know that. I should have known. Yeah, there are many names of the stars that are coming, actually, from the Arabic. Mm. It is interesting to have a look to those, perhaps in another episode. But for today, I think we are more than enough. Yes, Um, so thank you all for sending in your questions very promptly when I tweeted out this morning. So thank you for bringing your questions. Always bring some more questions. You know how to find us on The Scientist on Facebook, Twitter, and through email. Don't forget, you can also send us a question via audio. So do that as Please well. Please do. We have only had one. So with this episode, we have only had four voices coming in the sky and this. That's right. We, we would love to have some more. Yes. But for now, we'll see you next time. Okay. See you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. Fly me to the moon. Let me play. The stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song. Let me sing forevermore You are all I long for All I worship and adore In other words Please be true In other words
You.